Good afternoon and welcome to another Fabol, Fabola, Fabulosa, however you want to say it, is going down. Episode of How Betty Davis Saved My Life, Life Lessons from Classic Hollywood, starring myself, Moya, and the other fabulous broad on this podcast. Your name, ma'am? Georgia. That's right. And we are so happy to bring you another life lesson. And we call it call it that because we, we know or we firmly believe that a lot of these old classic movies, they are just ripe with so much great, uh, so many great life lessons. And if you pay attention to them, we believe that you can actually learn something, how to better behave, if you will, George. <laughs> Or improve on your already existing social skills. I don't know. But I certainly learn a lot from these movies. And Georgia, we have a humdinger today, don't we? Something a little something a little familiar, but a little, yet a little different. What's our movie? That's a great way to describe it. Our movie is Brown Paper Bag. Mm-hmm. A movie which was just released recently in 2020. Yeah. Um, okay, so it was released in 2020. Because I, I know it has 2019 on this, but it was released in 2020? Yeah, that's when it was actually, yeah, okay. it, it was released. Okay, because I saw it. I guess I did see it in 2020. Maybe I saw it last year. I think I was kind of late late to the party. Don't forget, guys, we have those videos. Oh, <laughs> and I've been neglectful. I'm not even going to lie. I am so constipated, if you will, with late to the party videos because every time I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this video. Then I look at a movie and I was like, oh no, let me do this. So I am backed up. So there is no excuse for it, but there are new late to the party videos. That's a spinoff of how Betty Davis saved my life where I talk about some, um, it's just me um, talking about some movies that I didn't know about. And I think that they're terribly interesting and I'm late to them. Probably everyone's seen them and I'm late talking about them. But yeah, so I was late to the party with Brown Paper Bag. We saw it on Prime Video. So if you have Amazon Prime Video, you can see this movie. It was absolutely fabulous. I had already seen it uh, and I rewatched it. Georgia, this was your first time watching it, correct? Yes. And, you know, I wanted to tell our listeners, you can also see it on YouTube, Roku, and Tubi. Oh, wow. Great. Very easy to find this movie. Very easy and totally worth your while to see it. So, Georgia, start us off about this this movie and and why, why, when I said it was something new, but yet something familiar. Well, you know, it's a movie about classic Hollywood. And the movie is set in 1942, L.A., And this is about a young man who has dreams and he would love to be seen in a Hollywood movie. He wants to be a star. And uh, however, what happens is he gets, he, he thinks he's going to start and he gets thrown out. And then what follows next is a really very interesting detective story. And he makes a deal where if he is able to find the starlet, then he can get back in the movies again. And so this is what we, the uh, protagonist in this movie is Archie Glass. Mm -hmm. And Archie is instantly likable. You can identify with him. I sure did. I mean, it's amazing for me to say this. 
as a white woman to say I identify with this black man. But I know it sounds interesting and, and amazing, but I did, you know, because I think we all have hopes and dreams and we see ourselves, you know, we want to see ourselves reflected in the world. And, and uh, so this story is not just for folks of color, but it's for everyone. And uh, so anyway, I, I, I don't want to say too much about the movie, but uh, about the actual what goes on in it. But I have to say this. Uh, um, I had always wondered about the perspective. I mean, the stories being told from another side about what it was like for black people to break into Hollywood and the limitations of the roles that they had at the time, because they were only portrayed as maids or porters and servants or the extras in jungle movies. And that's, and so he wanted to be seen as like a regular person, which I love about him. And I, I you just, he has so much spunk and intelligence you just really love this guy. Yes. And um, and that's so interesting that you said you were able to identify with the protagonist, Archie Glass. And of course, now my I had all my electronic notes in front of me. And of course, now my um, computer is acting a fool. Um, tell us about the cast. Uh, oh, this is a cast. Okay, you haven't heard of them before, but they're so good. Okay, Archie Glass is played by Rashid Stephens or Stevens. Uh, Sanders played by Tiara Parker. Uh, Wingate, uh, he is the movie representative. He's played by Caesar James. Then you have Nadine Lomax, that character, and she is played by Vivia Armstrong. And then we have <laughs> character Ennis played by Rashawn Vaughn. And I know I heard you laughing because this movie had humor in it and the scenes with that Nadine character, it just, I was howling. I was laughing. It was hilarious. That woman has a lot of talent, yes. I have to say. Yes. Oh my gosh. She had a lot of everything and talent was one of them. <laughs> <laughs> and don't come for me because that is a plot device in a darn movie. So shut your mouth, not your mouth, shut your mouth. Um, and, and just, I, I, I apologize for nothing in this movie because it, like Georgia said, it was depicting all, about what went on back in those days. So the character who was, uh, the brown clown, I think his name was, he was like a step and fetch it type character. Um, and, and, and if you know, I highly recommend going to Ashley Says So, shout out to Ashley Says So, her YouTube page. She talks about Stephen Fetchett, um, William, I cannot remember his last name right now, but the actual, his actual biography, she talks about his life, very tragic. Um, he, at one point in Hollywood, Stephen Fetchett. So he's the one, yeah, look, it's, it's demeaning, it's all that, but that's all the roles that black people could get. And that's why we, I really like this movie because it talks about that. And the movie's not preachy. No, Georgia. It's almost like you're just looking at this guy's a day in the, in the life of this this poor unfortunate so Archie Glass, you know who you know yeah. who had, had some tough breaks. But it wasn't preachy. It it, it was, and, and yes, it is independent, and, it, and I'm gonna say low budget, but not poorly done. You know, but no, it does not have the big Hollywood budget. I mean, you know, it's not terribly obvious, but I mean, you know, it it just did not. But what what the budget had, it did a, to me a very good job. But it was just a slice of life in this gentleman's um, 
you know, looking at a slice of his life. But yeah, so step and fetch it. Then you had the lady, um, Lomax, who was like the, really was ever, all the fat black maids back then. Um, you know, she was the Louise Beavers and a Hattie, Hattie McDaniels, you know. So, so, but that's all you could do, basically. And they had a few little, um, little sex kittens that broke through, like Nina Mae McKinney or Nina Mae McKinney. Please, um, check out again. Ashley says so on YouTube. She does a really good, now, Nina Mae McKinney, we got to do some of her movies, um, Georgia, one of my favorite actresses, uh, pre-code, her life ended tragically. So you had a few little breakouts, you know, starlets who kind of rose to glamour puss, but you know, they kind of fizzled out, but you know, on the flip side of, and so this movie talks about how to, even how the white people, it was tough and especially the white women, how it was tough for them to, you know, break out of being a starlet and all that it took and what you had to go through in the machine and the grind, a very good movie. Yeah, well, it's telling the stories of Black people in America that we have not heard before, which I thought was a very fresh take, but it was very, had a very real quality. And it was very well done. Yeah, it was an indie flick, beautifully done. Um, one of the things that I wanted to tell you about is I had read a, uh, an interview that was done with Butterfly McQueen, you know, who is, mm -hmm. who played Christy in your favorite movie, Gone with the Wind. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that stood out for me that she said was that, you know, and she also became the first African-American woman to win an Oscar. And she says- No, that was Hattie she, McDaniel. Oh, I'm sorry, Hattie McDaniel. I'm sorry, excuse me. Boy, did I mess up on that, sorry. Um, but anyway, uh, she said, I liked playing funny, but I did not like playing stupid. Right. And you know, I, I always took that away from her interview and I thought, yes, I could, oh man, I totally agree with you. She was talented and gifted in her own right, but she went on to later play some better, yes. some movies where she was more of a of the character development and more of a real expanded character, which I really liked about that. And she um, may have had, not to cut you off, but she may have been the black first black woman to have her own TV show because she played um, Beulah, a maid. And I think she may have been the first black woman to have her own TV show. Oh, I don't, I don't think it was Diane Carroll, and because I think Beulah might have preceded that. But you know, in, in in the comments, you know, we're on Facebook. How Betty Davis saved my life. Let me know if that's incorrect. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, I found this movie to be a very because I like history, and this is a very fresh take on history. It deserves to be talked about, and that was one of the reasons why I was so glad to see this movie because. I had always wondered about this and this movie touched on that. It answered some questions for me. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but it was just very, very beautifully done. And I thought that, uh, it, it touched me. It, it touched me in a place deep inside me more than I thought it would. And so if, if anybody ever has had any dreams, whether it be to be seen in movies or anything else, this is about a person who wanted so much to go after their dream. And, you know, I mean, you see this person, the way his characters developed and all the people that are around him and how he, he is with all of them. I just, and, and one of the other things that I liked about it was there were some scenes in LA and, you know, I, I grew up and lived in LA. And so I recognized some okay. exteriors in where I used to work mm. and I thought well look at that right. but you know I still felt I was I was in the 1940s they did such a beautiful yes. job of of portraying that it was just a, the attention to detail to me yes. I have to give the people kudos 
for the production values in this. It was just beautifully done. Um, I did have to say, though, I, I don't think I'm giving th anything away about the movie, that um, I like the way it started, you know, with him as a young boy in the theater, and then the yes. way it comes full at the end. Yes, and yes, yes, yes. I, I love the way they did that to illustrate the progress and advancements made by people of color. I mean, I love it because, you know, you could look at it, you know, it's like, oh, no, this is so awful. Oh, all the awful things that happen to people. <laughs> right. You could look at it that way, but I didn't. I didn't see it that way. Right. I didn't. No. I took away from it, you know, something, a feeling of, like, triumph, and it made me, you yeah. know, I felt good about all that, but... I also wanted to say this film has been recognized. It was uh, given awards at the San Diego Black Film Festival for Best Feature Film and mm -hmm. Best Director. Mm -hmm. And George, I'm so glad you brought that up because the movie did not want you. It wasn't, oh, it's so terrible. I mean, yeah, it was It was a lot of injustice back then, um, you know, and it was just, you know, just deplorable what went on um, as far as uh, racial relations. And, you know, it was just, you know, you look at it and it's, it's I'm, 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 laughable is not the right word, but it's, it's unbelievable, I guess, incredulous because it's so silly. Silly is the word I'm saying. It's so silly. And there's one scene where he was sitting down talking to this little Shirley Temple type character, little girl. And then, you know, that turned into a thing. And it, it, it is so stupid. It is, and, and I mean, you know, you look back like, gee whiz, you know, and, and you know, not getting into the, to, into any, and not getting into any of today's issues, but, um, no, <laughs> back, please, if, if you, if you say like an alien came from outer space and you show them brown paper bag or any films or, or news clips of that era, then show him how black people are now and what's going on. I, they would be like, okay, well, obviously, these are two different time periods. Things have things are different, okay. So, and that's all I'm I'm gonna say about that because you know it's just it was ridiculous. It was absolutely silly. But um, and and like like you said, Georgia, it was not harping on that. But the the gist of the story was like you said, having dreams. And trying to get them done. And like you said, anybody, regardless of your background or who you are, can relate to that and getting those dreams crushed by a system. You know, and you can now that that you can certainly if the alien said, Oh, okay, well, yeah, everybody getting crushed by the machine. <laughs> the machine is not is indiscriminatory now, uh, so to speak. You know, if you have if you have this political leaning, the machine might be a little bit more, you know, leaning on you. But if you have this one, okay, it comes for you. But everybody can relate to having being up against it and having to make those hard decisions. That's just life. I don't care who you are. And you're so right. That was the spirit of the movie and how it came full circle like i said not giving up giving away too much at the end um it, it was very refreshing and so this so georgia could we file this under our second 21st century movie because first was sylvie's love which was also set well this was that sylvie's love was set in the 50s i believe this was set in the 40s so this i think this is our second 21st century film you're right it is we're trying, and, guys. Uh, We're trying. <laughs> yeah, we are. But, you know, each one is a classic in its own right. Yes. And it stands out. Each one stands out because there's something very 
intrinsically worthwhile about it. I mean, it is like it's groundbreaking in some way, or it shows you a different view or perspective about classic Hollywood or about, I mean, I felt that movie was just Sylvie's Love. Listen to our review of that one. Yes. And then, yeah, so that you'll really understand about um, black people in movies and you'll really see it with a whole new understanding and appreciation. Absolutely. Um, and something I just want to touch on as well. I was, as I was looking at this, I was like, man, has there ever been a, a, a black film noir like this? And at first I couldn't remember. And then I said, Oh, wait a minute. Denzel, Denzel Washington, uh, obviously went, he oh, did, man. he did 90 in 1995. He did devil in a blue dress. Yes. Yes. Which is absolutely fabulous that's taken from the easy rollins i believe uh novels and if you have not seen that is uh denzel jennifer bills and i think um uh don Cheadle made his debut in that one or either it was a sequel because i think they had a sequel to it but anyway and don Cheadle got, <clears throat> got totally robbed he should have been um he should have been nominated for oscar because you know it's hard to steal a scene from denzel but don Cheadle. He stole every scene. It was fabulous. But anyway, so then it led me to this article from The Ringer, which is um is an online uh an online um article. You can check it out, The Ringer. It it uh it's the, the name of the article, and I'm really glad it it, it um came up. The black neo noirs of the 90s from The Ringer. And so then it went and listed Georgia, the other noirish, even though it may not have been set in those times, but another, so the nineties exploded, you know, you had the seventies. So in the seventies, you kind of had some noirish when you had the black exploitation movies, quote unquote, Shaft kicked it off. Then you had a across 105th street. And I mean, and you know, they were not in black and white. no, but they all had that detective vibe because these these uh directors and writers of the film new film noir will never go away. Um it influences, it has influence and it keeps keeps on influencing television and movies. Right now, Better Call Saul, which is one of my favorite shows, <laughs> uh a, um a spin-off of one of my top top shows, um Breaking Bad. <laughs> Better Call Saul. Georgia, do you, are you did you look at any of that Breaking Bad or Better Call Saul? I saw all of Breaking Bad. I oh. haven't seen Better Call Saul, but you Breaking not, Bad, oh yeah. no, you gotta you gotta binge watch. You gotta catch up. Ah! <laughs> oh my gosh, you gotta catch up, girl. Oh, we could, see, we could be talking about Better Call Saul. Okay, I, I, I'm gonna stop talking about that because I will talk about that all day. But let me ask you this. Well, see, bet I think. Better Call Saul is a little bit no, more noirish than I think Breaking Bad. And if anybody thinks differently, let me know um, in the comments on our Facebook page. But um, getting back, getting back to this. Um, so Georgia, have you seen Devil in a Blue Dress with Denzel? No, I haven't. But that's on my musty list. Okay, no, we gotta I, do I, it. I, I can't. I, I can't wait to see it. Yeah, he's he's still a handsome man, but you know he was younger back then, and you know, uh, you know, just a young Denzel. And um, so that set, like I said, in the Florida, kind of same time as, as this uh, with brown, brown paper bag. And then this article by Julian Kimball on The Ringer, he talked about deep cover. 
fabulous movie. That was even earlier in the 90s, maybe 92. Um, and that's where Mr. Snoop Dogg got, himself got premiered on um, the soundtrack. And it, that soundtrack with Dr. Dre, that was like a huge hit. I remember being in college and you heard the deep cover soundtrack. All, oh, it was killer using a... Um, a bass line from the great Grover Washington Jr. Um, saxophonist. So you got Devil in the Blue Dress, Deep Cover. Then later on, Georgia, you had um, Dead Presidents. And so we got to do all these films because now it's, you know, it's, uh, they're all coming back to me because, you know, we so we kind of do our thing with the classic Hollywood. But these are classics. But yeah, so these... Uh, this article from The Ringer, Georgia, listed those movies and some other, some other ones that kind of... That is the black noir, even though, you know, they, they're not set in that time period. But the, the femme fatale, the violence, of course, the cinematography, things that make, you know, the um the mystery of it all a drama. So check those out, guys. Those are out. And if you have looked at them, let us know. Again, we're on Facebook at How Betty Davis Saved My Life. Let us know what you think about that. Have you ever seen Shaft? Oh, yes. <laughs> what did you, so I guess we got to do Shaft, too. Um, I did, I did Shaft come to mind? Or did you think of any other, maybe say, hey, has there ever been another black film noirs? You ever thought about that? When you were looking at this movie, a brown paper bag? I did. Okay. I did. And then the first thing that came to mind was I knew about Devil in a Blue Dress. And yeah. so uh, that, although I hadn't seen it, I knew what it was about. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. But, you know, it's fun, you know, because every once in a while you want to see something that's kind of like a Humphrey Bogart movie with all the, you know, <laughs> the, the, the mystery, the suspense, the intrigue, you know, the fun of all that, you know, yes. the dark alleys and everything. This this uh, satisfied my fix. I, I really needed to, you know, see something fun like that. And this did it for me. Yes, it certainly did. And I don't know... Um... You know, I don't know. And there's a there's another movie that was a really independent film, and it got. Uh, I remember at the MTV Awards that year, got um got a lot of, excuse me, um a lot of attention. Um, oh, it was directed by Carl Franklin, and I I'll, I'll find it, and um oh I almost said it, but it it was it was that film noirish, and it was not in that time. It was you know set in the nineties. Billy Bob Thornton was in it with his ex-wife, Cinder Williams, who who was in a lot of Spike Lee's movies. Because, um, Spike, you know, Spike Lee, you had that revival in the 90s of black films with Spike Lee. He blew up. One False Move. One False Move. That was it. Um, that's a really interesting movie because I'm going to say One False Move, Tarantino hadn't come out yet with... Um, well, he blew up with Pulp Fiction. And it kind of, it kind of yeah. all in the same time frame. I think he came out. He had, a, he had did he have Reservoir Dogs? I know he had that before Pulp Fiction. I think if that was Tarantino. Look, y'all guys, forgive me. I can't remember all these people. But um, One False Move and Reservoir Dogs and kind of kind of been around the same time. And those of you who know Reservoir Dogs, um, that's a classic. Just strange. It's a Tarantino film, you know. So it's 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 is violent, strange um, movie, but but made sense. <laughs> like, Pulp Fiction was insane. Georgia, have you seen Pulp Fiction? No. Okay, well, we got to do <laughs> Pulp Fiction. Pulp no. Fiction, you know, some people hate it. I love it. Most people love it. 
Um, and they just swear, some people think that's when films began, you know, with Pulp Fiction. But no, it, you know, violent, strange, weird, but it made sense. It had a point, you know. So one false move was was kind of like that. Um, but it was noirish. Black people love film noir. Well, you know, black people love Humphrey Bogart and George Raff. So yeah. speaking of George Raff, New Jack City... Uh, it, they, in this article, they mentioned New Jack City. Um, that was when Wesley Snipes kind of blew up. Wesley Snipes, Ice T, Mario, uh, Mario Van Peebles Jr. I believe that was a huge success. Um, in the late '80s, I believe. Um, crime cop thriller, good versus evil, clear protagonist antagonist. Um, so Georgia, we got to do that one too. Chris Rock. I believe he made, no, he didn't make his acting debut, but that might have been his second movie in that he was really good. Chris Rock, yeah, we know some, all this foolishness going on. Chris Rock is a really good actor. He is. He can do, as funny as he is, he can do drama really well. You know, that's funny how these comedians like Eddie Murphy and they, Chris Rock, they're so freaking funny, but they can do drama as well. But anyway, we got to do New Jack City. But in New Jack City, Wesley Snipes is sitting in the um hot tub chilling, Georgia. And he said, yeah, and he, he's smoking a cigar, a cigarette. He said, yeah, we on some George Raff-ish. You know, so the George Raffs, the Humphrey Bogarts, uh, Richard Whitmars, one of my favorites, James Cagney, they influence these actors and these movie makers behind them because that's how just how powerful film noir is and, and was. Moya, you are an encyclopedia about everything movie. I am just astounded. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> I can't tell you what happened yesterday, but I can tell you tell you <laughs> I can tell you about that foolishness. <laughs> yeah, I can't tell you nothing about about yesterday, but that I love movies. What can I say? I absolutely and I appreciate a really good movie. You know, I really appreciate that. But George, I want to go back to something you said. That Hattie Dang McDaniel said that she would play funny but not stupid. Um, right. And and you know uh, Donald Vogel, Donald last name V O G L E. We mentioned him in another uh, broadcast. He's really the aficionado on black film, black film history, and <clears throat> you know so many black people. Step and Fetch it was a victim of like NAACP and other civil rights movements and organizations who lambasted him and had, you know, the had McDaniels of the world and other people for taking those roles. And yes, yeah, step and fetch it. You know, <laughs> I can take a joke. So when I see it, it's a little cringy, but I, it's still, I get it. The man was brilliant. William, I cannot remember his last name. And I gave my computer's acting a fool. He was so slick, Georgia, the actor who played Step and Fetch It. And this man was like one of the first black movie millionaires, okay? He was so smart. He had two phone lines in his home. So he would give the Hollywood producers the one phone, and he would answer like Step and Fetch, like, hi, hell, bow, yes, this, this is hell. <laughs> like for other people, the nine idiots. He would give them that phone. He'd answer, hello, this is William. Uh, how, yeah, how can I help you today? Isn't that crazy? You had to be that duplicitous to get a damn job in Hollywood. That's crazy. 
That is. It is. And you're right. There were a couple of elements. There were there were times during this movie where, ah, uh, you know, I, I did cringe, you know. Ah, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I did. I, yeah. But, you know, it, I, I was happy to see that this person was not who, what was not his role. We have to remember that. He wasn't his role. He was... A regular person, just like anybody else, and this was the box they wanted to put him in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and what I appreciate about Brown Paper Bag to Georgia, Archie Glass was not a tough guy. He wasn't a badass, you know. He wasn't, no. and you can see you could relate to that. He was an everyday dude. He got beat up. He got his behind kicked a lot in this movie, <laughs> and he wasn't the smartest guy in the room. You know, he was smart when he needed to be, but he didn't know every damn move. Like, you know what I mean? And sometimes I think noirs, uh, a a better noir is the ones I like the most is when the guy is not the toughest, biggest, baddest. You know, I like when he's an everyday dude caught up because just like in Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul is like, okay, what would you do? Especially with Better Call, uh, I'm sorry, with Breaking Bad, you know, this, these are no spoilers. If you haven't seen Break It Bad by now, oh, well, well hold, uh, put your fingers in your ears or go step out the room. But, you know, Walter White was just like, F it, man. I've been diagnosed with uh, terminal cancer. I'm under, I'm the gum under everybody's shoe. F it, I'm going for broke. I'm going to sell it. I, I know how to make this killer meth, and I'm going to do it. I'm going out with a bang. I'm going to set my family up, and that's that, that wraps it. You know, so then, you know, as the 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 audience, you're like, oh, man, this dude has caused so much carnage and da 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 But you're still rooting. Okay, let me ask you this. And yes, guys, we're getting off brown paper bag. But with Breaking Bad, Georgia, because it, with brown paper bag, you're rooting for Archie all the way. Better uh, Breaking Bad, did you ever stop rooting for, for Walter White? Or you roll with him the whole way? Never stopped rooting for him. <laughs> <laughs> what made you take that position? There was something about, I guess it's because he's the underdog in all this. And mm-hmm. you see how he has to just survive by his wits. And you you want I there's something I think it's the actor himself too because I can see that Brian Brian Cranston I, I saw him in Malcolm in the Middle and he's just such yes. there's something about him yes, that endearing. you want to root for him no yes. matter all the mistakes and the and the messes he gets himself into and you know I mean this guy is like he uses his you know, you, you know the saying, you can use your knowledge for good or for evil. <laughs> well, you know, yeah, he's using it for bad, yes. You know, right. he is, but still there's something about him that you feel is so redeemable and so worthwhile about him uh, that you still want to. I, I always rooted for him. I never stopped. Never okay. did. Yeah. I, but you I, know, I, huh? Go ahead, Moya. No, go Sorry. ahead. Uh, I think at some point we need to explain to our to our listeners what brown paper bag, what that term the title of the movie, oh, what yeah. it means. <laughs> yeah. Because I don't think we, we did. <laughs> we no, didn't we did do not. that. <laughs> <laughs> what does it mean, Georgia? Well, okay. As they explain in the movie, um, there were these more exclusive uh, clubs or places to go to, and they 
practiced what some people call colorism. And what they would do is they would have a brown paper bag at the entrance and they would hold it up to a person of color. And if you were the same shade or lighter than that brown paper bag, you would be allowed entrance. If you were darker than the brown paper bag, you would be denied entrance. Yes, ma'am. And so that is the symbol. Yes. Why it's called brown paper bag is yes, because that was the standard. Stupid, stupid, stupid. Because as yes. we know in the good old US of A and red, white, and blue, the color is green. <laughs> <laughs> Jackass. <laughs> No, we're going to end. <laughs> well, guys, it's time to go. Uh, time to go. Uh, I hope you enjoy playing our game. As I drag on my fictional cigarette, we got some lovely parting <laughs> gifts for you. <laughs> A lifetime supply of turtle wax. I enjoyed this uh, movie so much, and I enjoyed doing this episode with you, Georgia. Is there anything else you want to say, my love, before we get on out of here? No, sweetie, I tell you, that's a wrap for me. But if uh, you didn't get, if this is your chance to say anything that you didn't get a chance to say or anything that you'd like to enlighten, enlighten us with, go right ahead. No, I am done. Please go and see Brown Paper Bag. You can see it for free. Uh, oh, George already said YouTube, Tubi. Please check it out. Let us know what you think on How Betty Davis Saved My Life, our Facebook page. We'd love to hear from you. Next up, we're going to have a foreign film coming up. We have not decided yet because we have such a buffet of choices. So, But we will have a foreign film coming up for you next time. I want to say thank you so much for tuning in to How Betty Davis Saved My Life, Life Lessons from Classic Hollywood. I'm Moya. And I'm Georgia. And you guys, we can't tell you how much we appreciate you. We love our time with you. We look forward to seeing or being with you again. Take care. Take us on out, Mrs. Ms. Khan, Shaka, Shaka. She was Mrs. Khan at that at that point, but take us out, Rufus and Shaka Khan, Hollywood. Yeah.